It's not supposed to happen in Beverly Hills. A movie executive and his wife were brutally slain in their million-dollar mansion. I am the kid that did kill his parents. And no river of tears has changed that. Hi and welcome to J is for Justice, the Menendez Brothers. If you like what you see, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and also give this video a thumbs up. The Menendez family seemed to be a perfect model of the American dream, at least by the standards of the 1980s. Jose Menendez was born in Cuba. He immigrated to the United States after the Cuban Revolution of the 1950s. He lived in the attic of a cousin's home until he earned a college scholarship for swimming. He wooed and married Kitty, a beauty pageant queen, and then rose from washing dishes to becoming a successful young entertainment executive. Jose spent the early 80s as the head of RCA Records. He had a hand in signing bands like Duran Duran and the Eurythmics, which were huge in the 80s. The house where Jose and Kitty were killed was located on one of the most exclusive blocks in Beverly Hills, and at different times had been occupied by Michael Jackson and Elton John. The Menendezes had moved to L.A. just a few years before the murders so that Jose could take the job in the movie business. At the time of the murders, Lyle was 21 and Eric was 18. Lyle was a star tennis player who attended Princeton and seemed destined for a career in business like his dad. And he openly worshipped his dad, Lyle did. Eric turned out to be even better at tennis and he was helped out by his father's obsessive intervention and wound up as a nationally ranked player in his age bracket. In a sense, they had no choice but to be successful. Jose was very hard on them and he would work his children to the bone in athletics and anything else that they did. It seemed like Jose was so competitive that he was doing everything he could to try to make him better, said their former swim coach in 1990. But he was so completely overbearing, it had the opposite effect. Eric had so much less self-confidence because everything he did was never good enough. Once they moved to California, Eric began to run with some teenage delinquents. He was getting himself in trouble for a string of burglaries. Lyle enrolled in Princeton, but was suspended for a year for plagiarism. The Menendez murders were a gruesome, barbaric crime. Jose and Kitty were not just killed, but were nearly unidentifiable by 15 rounds from two 12-gauge shotguns. It was so brutal that police thought the killings were a mob hit. And early investigations focused on business rivals and even a porn executive who had a bone to pick with Jose. The night of the murders, the brothers told the police they'd gone out that night to see a movie, but they had to make a pit stop to retrieve Eric's ID. And that's when they discovered their parents' bodies and dialed 911 
At least this is what they said in their interviews. The officers who responded to the 911 call found Eric sobbing on the lawn before entering the house. Emergency? Yes, please. Uh, What's the problem? It sounds, uh, What's the problem? What's the problem? I'm sorry, kill my parents. Pardon me? Who? Are they still there? Yes. The people. Oh, no, no. <laughs> were they shot? Hey, Matt, uh, Were they shot? Yes. They were shot? Yes. months that followed the slayings, neither Menendez brother acted like young men who had recently found both their parents dead in a brutal, bloody murder scene. Instead, they acted like two guys who just won the lottery. Jose was worth about $14 million at the time of his death. And within six months, the, the brothers had spent an estimated 700000 of his fortune. Lyle purchased a Rolex, a Porsche, lots of clothing, and a restaurant back in Princeton, where he had been living before the murders. While Eric was more practical, opting for a Jeep Wrangler, a $50,000 personal tennis coach, and a $40,000 investment in a rock concert that never happened. They took exotic vacations too, thinking they had even more money coming to them. There was also a $5 million life insurance policy on their dad though technicalities stopped them from collecting it. In 1988, after getting caught in a string of burglaries, Eric was required by the court to meet with a therapist named Dr. Jerome Oziel. The therapist reached out to Eric soon after the murders and began meeting with the younger Menendez brother. And soon enough, Eric confessed to killing his parents. Oziel confided in his, his mistress, Judalon Smythe who would ultimately play a big part in the case. The therapy sessions continued, and Oziel ultimately got both Eric and Lyle on tape confessing to the murders. Eric said they'd done it to put their mother, quote, out of her misery, while Lyle said that they were both in on the crime. Smythe and Oziel had a rocky relationship. She claimed that he was controlling and abusive, 
And after he allegedly attacked her, Smythe contacted the Beverly Hills police to reveal that the Menendez brothers confessed to their parents' murder. She even had an audio tape of the confessions. Lyle was arrested soon after. Eric, who was in Israel at the time, flew to Miami and then LA, where he turned himself into the police. Figuring out whether the tapes with the confessions fell under doctor-patient privilege or were admissible as evidence in court took full, a full two years. Lawsuits and appeals flying back and forth between the prosecution and the Menendez lawyers. Finally, the Supreme Court of California ruled that two of the three tapes were eligible to be used in the trial, including one that contained Lyle's admission of guilt. The trial began in 1993, and it was broadcast on a new cable network called Court TV, which was devoted to turning the legal system into a hybrid of entertainment. The network carried not only the trial, but endless hours of coverage before and after each day's proceedings, helping fuel a national obsession with a case that had all the elements of great primetime soap opera. A rich family torn apart by a scandal two good-looking and mysterious young men, a grisly crime, and psychodrama galore. The Menendez trial probably had the effect, maybe good, maybe bad, of demonstrating that even if you didn't have a celebrity, if the circumstances were dramatic enough, people will be captivated. That's a quote from Steve Brill, the founder of Court TV, to Rolling Stone in 2017. We've had a lot of trials like that since, but that was really the one that proved that people would be interested in watching big trials. Unable to profess their innocence, Lyle and Eric instead claimed that their father's reign of terror went far beyond emotional abuse and the pressure of high expectations. They said Jose had molested them since childhood, a claim filled with graphic descriptions that shocked the nation and even split up their friends and family members. Their lawyer, Leslie Abramson, became quite a star during the trial. She argued that the two were acting in self-defense after growing up in such a violent and traumatizing home. Lyle gave graphic testimony. Years later, a cousin came out and said that she believed his story because he'd told her similar things when he was a child. Well, he told me his father was massaging his He used that word? Yes, he did. He wanted to know that if this happened to every kid. The defense also attacked Kitty as a husk of a woman, an alcoholic, drug addict, broken wife, and useless mother who was devastated by Jose's affairs. The first trial lasted four and a half months and resulted in two hung juries, one for each brother, unable to agree on whether they were guilty of murder or acting in their own self-defense. Immediately, it was announced that they would be retried. The second trial took place in 1995, and this one was far less sensational. The judge did not allow TV cameras in the courthouse. Instead, people still interested in the Menendez brothers' fate had to wait for written news accounts of the events. Oddly enough, Judalon Smythe testified for the defense this time insisting that Dr. Oziel had manipulated the brothers into confessing. The effort fell short. Both Lyle and Eric were convicted of first-degree murder in 1996. 
They were sentenced to life without parole. Both brothers have gotten married in prison to women on the outside. Eric married his pen pal, Tammy Sackerman, in 1999, while Lyle has found two women willing to marry him. Anna Erickson, a former model who divorced him after a year when she found out that he had been writing to other women. And then Rebecca Sneed, a journalist who he wed in 03. Even now, 30 years since the murders first took place, the brothers' crime continues to fascinate and perplex people. There have been multiple TV movies, miniseries, and documentaries about the murders, and it's been spoofed throughout the years as well. The case closed a decade of me-first capitalism and ushered in a whole new era of true crime hype. Which is stronger than ever. Thank you.